previously on the Surreal Life. Surreal Life reality television stars will be starring in a three-minute short film. They're going to make a kung fu movie. Hello. Hey, baby. Her boyfriend, Sean, shows up, and she did not look happy when she saw him. I came here to make you happy. I'm just so happy. Quit with the over dramatics. Don't try to make me look like a piece of She was planning on leaving with him. Where you think you going? You think you leaving the house? Oh, hell no. What are you talking about? Are you on crack? You told me he was an abusive Welcome back to the Surreality Podcast, where we're recapping celeb reality shows from the very beginning. How are y'all doing? I'm doing real good, at least at this moment. Oh, you guys, I'm not going to get too much into it because that's not what you're here for. But this past week has just been the week from hell. And I know a few people who have said the same thing, but out there, is it everywhere? Is it happening to all of us? Just everything dumb that could happen happened. But anyway, this week has been, it got off to a much better start. So we're just going to wipe our hands clean of all the bullshit that was the end of March, very beginning of April here. And we're just going to move on. Let's see, what the fuck is up? I'm having my bestie Jess on next week. We're going to do the next two episodes of Surreal Life, which are going to be fucking bangers. It's going to be Dirty Laundry, which is always fantastic, and The Final Dinner, which if this were back to being an hour-long show, those probably would have been in the same episode, but whatever. Oh, and Justine and I decided we are going to do a special bonus episode for you guys. We're going to do a 420 episode. We're going to, you know, get a little high and then we're going to recap. I think we're doing Trailer Park Boys. We haven't figured out exactly what it's going to be yet, but it's going to be fun because Justine and I always have fun when we record with each other. I've also been on a huge Bad Girls Club kick this past week, I think just because I've been so frustrated with how everything has went in this past week that I just needed to watch something where I watched other people be angry, I guess, which is probably a terrible method, but I've been enjoying just going back and watching random episodes that I remember. I'm partial to season four because I am a Natalie Nunn fan. (laughs) I love her as a TV character And I like season six. Season six was the one I started on, so it has a special place in my heart, but no one else seems to like season six, but I do. And I didn't really watch the newer seasons. One of the funniest things about season six to me is how Char, who I can't decide if she was terrible casting or fantastic casting, Char is 27, and she keeps talking about herself being so much more mature than the other girls in the house. And everyone keeps talking about how fucking old she is. (laughs) Like when everyone has kind of turned their back on Char towards the end of the season, like they all are just like, you're 27, you're grown. What are you doing here? (laughs) 
And I'm pretty sure I also remember feeling that way back when I watched that when I was like, I don't know, 20? I probably was like, God, that bitch is fucking old. What's she doing here? But there aren't really a lot of Bad Girls Club podcasts out there. I saw a couple for the newer seasons, but I would like to recap a couple episodes of Bad Girls Club. If anyone out there watched Bad Girls Club and you have any favorite episodes or seasons that you want to hear about, let me know. I'm definitely down to recap some random ones. I have a few guests in mind to come on for that. So I think I'm going to do a random Bad Girls Club episode very soon. And believe me, you guys, if I could, I would totally be doing like three episodes a week. I would be doing an episode for the surreality show, or I'm sorry, the celebrity shows and my big fat American Gypsy wedding like I originally planned on doing. And I would do a full on Bad Girls Club like rewatch podcast. Believe me, I wish I could do all of that. I just don't have the time. I got to make money. I got a parent. I got shit to do. Anyway, let's talk about surreal life in this episode that I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> let's just say the cultural appropriation is real. Let's just get into it here. So it's morning and it's the morning after X-Pot Gate. Jane is the first one up, bright eyed and bushy tailed, and she is ready to put that director's cap on and seize the day. Jane starts to go and wakes everyone up one by one, and when she goes out to the living room to wake up China, who is still sleeping on the couch, China seems in good spirits. However, the huge bouquet of flowers that X-Pac brought her is still sitting right next to the couch, which seems like a hazard. I don't think that's a good idea at all. Meanwhile, Adrian and Chris are in the kitchen, and Adrian is on cloud nine because today is the day she gets to make out with pork chops and apple shosh himself, Peter Brady. And she keeps saying, like, you know, man, I just I just think we need to give this our all. Like, don't hold back at all. Then we go to Vern's room, and he's getting ready, but Jane is standing right over him watching him. And she refuses to leave, even when he asks her to, because she said, Vern is always the one they wait for, and they have less than two minutes to get out of the house to make sure they're on time, so she needs him to get his ass moving, and at one point he kind of stonewalls her, is that the right phrase? Like, he just sat there and refused to do anything until she left. She's, like, laying on his bed saying, nope, nope, I don't trust you, you you gotta get moving. But apparently the pressure cooker worked because we see Vern Scooter flying through the fucking living room. And he goes up the ramp to the door and Jane leans down and thanks him for, you know, speeding up the whole getting ready process. And when she gets up and walks away and is like, you're a rock star. Thank you, Vern. As she's walking away, Vern flips her off from behind. They all pile into the van and arrive at their destination nine minutes early, and they're at a place called Impact Stunts in in Hollywood, and this place is permanently closed now. Um, the director, assistant director Tom comes out to greet them, and this is the guy who is supposed to keep the time straight and keep everyone's asses in line. They all go inside to check out the set. And it's a full-on Japanese set. Very cool. Looks legit. And we get our one line from Marcus in the whole episode. 
of him just telling us, yeah, they, uh, they did a very good job on the set. It looks great. Yeah, they did a good job. All of the cast besides Jane head over to hair and makeup, and they are getting, how do I say, very stereotypical Japanese looks. They are just piling on thick, thick winged liner on everyone. Fake Japanese tattoos. Vern's got a very long, like, black thin mustache on. Chris has a black um, beard on, but it's just, it looks like as if it's someone went up, cut someone's braid off, and then they attached it to his chin. And everyone's wearing clothes with, like, that traditional floral silk material. And Jane apparently keeps having them, like, take off and redo people's makeup. She's just being very, very precise on the details. And this is already cutting into their time. The DP cuts in and he's like, all right, time to shoot some shit. Let's go. And first up, they're giving China her close-up. And I guess she's supposed to be playing some sort of, like, evil witch-type character. She's stirring a big pot of some sort of soup or brew, and she can't get a single line right. Yeah, I think this will be good. Okay. Good luck, everybody. Quiet, please. Scene one, Charlie. Take one. Marker. Action. Making the perfect reality. Cut. Sorry. This reality soup formula will make us rich. Scene one, Charlie. Take two. Action. <laughs> this is super. It will make us rich. China Doll, your goal in this is to speak as clearly as possible so we get all your dialogue. Scene one, take five, marker. Action. (sighs) Say something, would you? I'm sitting in the director's chair looking in the monitor just going, come on, just say it, come on, say it. And she'd be like, oh. cut moving on after jane says cut the dp looks into the camera just goes yeah i don't think we're gonna make lunch (laughs) this reminds me this is kind of sad so china not remembering her few lines and just the continuous like takes they have to keep doing reminds me okay so there is a movie out there called Skyscraper, and it is not the rock movie. It is a movie from, like, I don't know, 95, I think, with Anna Nicole Smith. It's fucking terrible. I'm pretty sure it was straight to DVD. It's basically just softcore porn. Like, it's a movie about a girl where this skyscraper gets taken over by terrorists, and she saves the day by, like, kicking ass and killing these guys. It's garbage. But... If you YouTube this, I'm pretty sure you can find footage 
of Anna Nicole Smith barely being able to get through her lines because she's so out of her mind on pills. She's slurring a bunch, and it looks like she's going to pass out a couple times. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart, but if anyone out there loves traumatic shit like me, that's out there. Now the assistant director, Tom, pulls us, the viewers, to the side, and he's like, Yeah, I expected to have like two or three scenes done by now, but uh, we've been filming for four hours, and we've shot one scene. Adrian mentions to Chris how they've been sitting there for hours and haven't done anything in front of camera. And Brat tells us how she didn't have a doubt in her mind that one whole day would have been enough to finish a three-minute movie. But here we are. We're at least two scenes back, which is about an hour and a half to two hours. I think Jane was going pretty slow in the beginning because she wanted it to be perfect. I just don't think she like really timed out and took into consideration how much time we really had. Scene five, echo, take two, marker. If I don't like how the scene's going, I'm gonna yell cut really loud. Okay, so just keep, you know, mindful of that. Also, we need to talk about Jane's outfit here. Jane is our look queen of the season. She always looks fantastic. However, this look is serving Nazi a little bit. (laughs) She's got a tailored military green jumpsuit on with a red tie and it's got a black band around her right um, bicep. It's a choice. It's interesting. It's a very interesting choice. It is now 2.30 and they cut for lunch and Tom, who's the assistant director, pulls Jane aside and he's like, we are a few scenes behind and in order to not be more behind, we really need to uh, pick up the pace. Next, they're going to do a scene between Brat and Vern, where Vern is hanging by wires, and he's in this, he's in like that blue floral satin getup I was talking about, and that ridiculous cartoonish black mustache, and they keep having them do the scene over and over again. Vern's having trouble coordinating himself up in the air on these wires, and Jane just isn't pleased by any shot that they're getting. While they're watching this, Chris and Adrian decide that this isn't just Jane's project. This is supposed to be for everyone. So Chris decides to take matters into his 48-year-old hands. And he walks over to the DP and is like, So, hey there, you know, uh, know, if you haven't noticed, maybe Jane should take a back seat to you, my friend. And... It's just perfect evil plotting because they have Chris, like they've drawn more intense eyebrows on him and he looks like he's supposed to be evil. So he's just like, yeah, let's fuck Jane's day up. Chris walks over to Jane and tells her that he thinks they she should take a step back so they can catch back up to schedule. And Jane is not into this. She's very upset. She feels ganged up on. And when Chris offers to give her a hug after he suggests that the DP take over, she's like, no, fuck you, and walks away. It's not Jane's move. That's what we have to remember. I agree. Jane couldn't remain focused on the task. Jane had also lost control. Victor? So we are really pressing it here. Time-wise, time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'd be, yeah. it would kill all of us because this really ultimately is all of our movie. Mm-hmm. Jane just is managing it. Right. So if um, she was to take 
backseat to you. Could you finish it? Oh. We need. <laughs> wow. We had a lot to still do. We wouldn't have finished if Jane would have stayed. You think we could finish it? Yeah, Victor took over. Chris ended up telling Jane that somebody else should take over. What are, I just want to help. It's just pretty. I mean, fine. Okay. She's. Whatever. It was completely unprofessional for the cast to tell me that. I just felt totally ganged up on. Oh, Jay, come here. No, you. And after she does walk away, after she tells Chris to fuck off, Chris does have a little smirk on his face. This little fucker, him. Ugh, probably did the same shit after he'd make Adrian cry. But the DP does end up taking over, and Jane isn't happy about it. She just sits and sulks and watches the movie continue. And now it is 8.35 at night, and they've got three hours to finish this stupid thing. And everyone's happy, except for Jane. It is now finally time for Adrian and Chris's makeout scene, and... It's a scene where they're fighting, and at one point, Adrian tackles Chris to the ground, and she just leans down over him and shoves her tongue down his throat, and she admits to us that the script called for just a kiss, but she took full advantage of this opportunity and did a full makeout sesh, and Chris tells us that he didn't hate it, that uh, Adrian apparently talked up her kissing skills, and she did not disappoint. It is now less than 20 minutes until midnight. And with less than 20 minutes left, the DP tells Jane that he's like, you know, this is your your movie, Jane. This isn't my movie. Like, you need to step in and finish this. And so she does. And everyone's happy now. Like, she's going up to all the cast. And they're all hugging, letting bygones be bygones. And there's a cute moment where she goes up to Chris and is like, oh, like, do you need me to punish you a little bit? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) A little bit of sexual tension, which we will see in My Fair Brady. Stay tuned. So she's going to film the final shot of of the movie where Adrian is up on a second level with Chris and he pushes her off and she's supposed to land into a big pile of cardboard boxes. So they get all set up for this and everyone's just biting their nails waiting for Adrian to fall. And she does land backwards. It's probably like a 12 foot, 15 foot fall. So like it's enough. And Adrian falls back into these boxes and she lands perfectly right in the middle. But we can't see her. And of course, there's radio silence and we get a bunch of shots of all the crew like, oh my gosh, is she okay? Did she make it? And we get like a long shot of the boxes just not moving. But then like a chick out of a cake, Adrian just shoots out and is like, I'm fine. Did you get the shot? And everyone applauds. Jane yells, that's a wrap. And to celebrate, Adrian flashes everyone. And the episode ends with the movie. Like, we get to watch the movie they made, and it's dumb. It's terrible. (laughs) I guess the whole plot is China, Marcus, and Adrian are, like, three evil villains, I guess, and they're trying to make the perfect reality soup. 
but something about it is not right. There's ingredients missing and they just can't figure out what it is. There is a slightly funny moment in the beginning where China's adding these ingredients and she adds a chip from Corey Feldman's shoulder, a clock from Flavor Flav, and a spice that's supposed to represent Eric Estrada's machismo. <laughs> and then Chris Bratt and Vern show up to steal the secret soup. And then chaos ensues. Everyone pairs off and is fighting against each other. Chris and Adrian fight. Brat and Marcus fight. I'd say the highlight of everything was China and Vern going one-on-one. Just because both of them, especially China, do have experience like doing stunts and stuff. And of course, the size difference is hilarious. So there's a few good moments there. And then, in the end, they all realize, of course, that the soup's missing ingredients are a part of all of them. So they all have to give a little bit of themselves to this soup to make it perfect. It's so stupid. And the accents. Oh my god, you guys. The accents in this. They're all trying to do a very racist, stereotypical Japanese accent, and it's terrible. I'm going to play a little clip. I want you guys to hear this. This is from the end when they all realize that they need to contribute together in order to make the perfect soup, whatever. No need to steal this soup. It's crap. Stuff. From Poo Poo will fix the soup. Pieces from all of us will make flavor truly delicious. Now let's see what it tastes like. How strange. We had little pieces of all of us, yet soup still so very bland and boring. Well, maybe if we are add something. It's really close, but I sense it needs a one more What? Underpants! And now! So they throw in, like, Adrian's bra, Chris's headband, Marcus's underwear, and they mix it all together, and voila, perfect reality soup. So dumb. <laughs> That's where the episode ends. I could have swore this episode ended with a shot of Adrian and Chris making out in the back seat of the Surreal Life van on the way back to the house, but it did not. I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's going to be in the Lost Footage episode, which this season has a reunion and Lost Footage, which is really interesting to me. This is the first one to do it, so I'm excited for those. And why don't we go ahead and do Marcus's update here? And, I mean, might as well stay consistent. I really don't have much for it. I'm so sorry, you guys. This week's episode is... I don't know. I was supposed to have a guest on for it, and uh, that did not work out. So, <laughs> this is what you guys get next week. I'll come back with a much stronger episode next week, I promise. So, Marcus Schenkenberg was born in 1968, so he is 54 now. And his website is in need of some serious updating. 
He, of course, became well-known first for his Calvin Klein ads, and he went on to model for other brands such as Armani, Versace. He did some other reality shows around this time, apparently a Italian version of the movie or the show Celebrity Mole. He's guest starred on Germany's Next Top Model and some other shows. He dated Pam Anderson for for about a year or so, and he also has been known to have dated Mariah Carey, Nikki Hilton, and Jessica Simpson. (laughs) He was also on the German version of The Masked Singer, and in 2010, he came out with a a workout DVD. It was called Body Secrets, Sexy Shape in Just Two Weeks. He currently is working. He's on a television show called The Island. It's the Sweden version, and apparently you can find it, well, probably not here in the U.S., but it's available on Swedish Discovery Plus, and it looks similar to Survivor. Like, you could, if you look at his Instagram, just Marcus Schenkenberg, you can see it. Like, it looks like a survival show on an island. So that's cool. Good for him. He's working, and he's also a dad. I don't know who the mom is. But he did post back in June of last year that he now has a baby boy. So congratulations. And I think that's all I have for you guys this week. I'm so sorry. I feel like this is the worst episode I've ever done. But next week we'll have Jess on for two episodes. I'm going to record with Justine, I think, next Monday. So we definitely have a few good things coming out for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at SurrealityPod, and you can always send hate mail to SurrealityPod at gmail.com.